It is certainly true. It's been a running joke with everybody who has been involved with Sunday mornings or really anything. That uh, <clears throat> Isn't it good that this month is imperfection? I think that Shirley said that the... Um, the you didn't mean to do this, right, Shirley? That the collage, which is so beautiful and incorporates everyone's words, was done upside down accidentally. <laughs> and so the good thing about that is this month, as perhaps every month, we can say, oh, well, imperfection. It's great. Last week, as we began our study of imperfection, we talked about how much more interesting it is when people are imperfect, when our heroes are imperfect, and how luckily we all get a lot of practice in seeing and knowing and being imperfect people. We talk about, talked about that last week all in the context of how much I am like Robert Griffin III, the quarterback of the Washington football team, which, trust me, made perfect sense in the <laughs> context. Today, I want to explore what imperfection means in a community. Not just individual imperfection, but the imperfection of a community writ large, a community like Wes. What does it mean to be part of a congregation where not only are we made up of imperfect people, of course, but this thing that we create together is itself inherently imperfect And does it have to be? One of the things I enjoy most about my job is getting to meet newcomers, people who are just coming to Wes, from all kinds of different backgrounds, perhaps religious backgrounds, perhaps secular backgrounds, that have been looking for something, perhaps for a while. And, and I love to hear what it is that they feel when they find Wes, if they feel that it's just the right fit or uh, something really special they were hoping they would be able to discover. But the thing that makes me most nervous when I hear it from a newcomer is, this place is perfect. <laughs> because I know... I just know it might be a few weeks, it might be a few months, but I promise that perfection is too high a standard for this community or any other, that at some point you will be disappointed in it. Someone will behave badly, the new paint color will grate on your nerves, I will give a platform that is totally the opposite of what you needed to hear that day. You'll hate the music, obviously not if our chorus is singing. (laughs) The leadership will make a decision you really don't like. It will be crowded when you get here and you won't see anyone that you recognize. I make it sound really great, don't I? (laughs) That's not actually how I start the newcomer conversations, just in case you were wondering. In a matter of weeks, you'll just hate this place. <laughs> there, actually, there was actually a brochure created by the Unitarian Universalist Association that they mailed out samples to all of the congregations um, that, was, that was essentially um, 
created for exactly this purpose. It was created to give to new members. So I think they they hoped that you waited until they joined. (laughs) And then you would give them this brochure, which was actually really well written and well done. And it was about how when we come into a new community, we imagine that it will be the perfect answer to our, not prayers, but something, our meditations, our dreams, and, uh, and it's not, <laughs> right? And people are people, and communities are messy. And the whole brochure, it, it's, it's, it's a trifold, all text, because I, I don't know what pictures you would use for <laughs> people feeling really imperfect. It's all text, and it's all about how communities are, are tricky, it was an attempt, I think, to help new members to take the community off a pedestal before it was knocked off for them. I didn't end up deciding to buy that brochure. For the, the, the one, the, it's, the cover is stained glass, which didn't feel like it would really go over well here. It might be a little too imperfect an image for us. Um, but, <clears throat> but I actually liked... I liked the idea of trying to have that conversation with people. You know what I mean? Because I think it's understandable in the beginning when you find a new community to think that it might be perfect. Some of us have left traditions that no longer speak to us, and that can be a painful experience to leave, to let go of what was perhaps at one time meaningful in our lives. And others of us have been searching maybe our entire lives for something like this, not really thinking that it existed. I hear that a lot from folks. You know, I, I wanted something like a, like a church, but not really a church, but I didn't think that there was that thing. And then, <laughs> look, here you are. And it's, it's so exciting, that moment, that joy of discovery, the recognition of oneself in a community. Someone said to me last night when they first came in, She thought, oh, these are my people. And that's a joyful and wonderful thing to experience. And then at some point, the first disappointing thing will happen. And just the way it's the people that we love most deeply who have the most power to hurt us and upset us, you know, so too a community that we care about and love and invest ourselves and our time in so, too, there are our preferences, our, our hopes, the, the disappointments feel stronger. I will never forget <clears throat> the great um, vegetarian community dinner debacle of, what was it? It was like three years ago, 2012. We decided, the community dinner team decided to make community dinner, which is our big yearly catered dinner, vegetarian. And... Um, and we just all thought that was everybody in the room thought it was a great idea. Oh, that's perfect. Oh, vegetarian. Oh, everybody's going vegetarian now, you know. Oh, it's so we could have quinoa. And um, you know, it was going to be a little cheaper and that was okay too. And so <clears throat> it didn't go over well the vegetarian uh, the vegetarian community dinner. Some people liked it, I'm sure, but some people really had a hard time with it. And as I tried to process why people were feeling so emotional, about their, the vegetarian community dinner debacle of, of 2012, I think it was, <laughs> as it will forever. I, we could have like a plaque or something about it, probably. <laughs> what I realized was, you know, when, when a community feels like your home, you want, 
your favorite, most nourishing things to be served there. You want the things that feed you to be what is offered. And so for some people, that's quinoa. And for some people, it's vegetarian. We always have vegetarian options. I want to make sure you know, lest I get a flurry of emails about vegetarian options at Community Dinner. That's important to us. But, but for folks, it felt important that what we served spoke to the entirety of the community, spoke to them, the whole congregation. I wonder if you have noticed how I keep alternating between congregation and then immediately afterward community. It's not a rhetorical device. <laughs> As you might know, there is um, a, a, a plethora of opinions at Wes about the best way to refer to Wes, the best language. I actually particularly like someone calls it their unchurch. I thought that was kind of cute. <laughs> What's my unchurch? <clears throat> We had a statement of purpose meetings a couple of years ago, I bet many of you were there, where we talked about a statement of purpose that we were in the middle of creating. And the, the conversation, the rich, deep conversation about the word community and the word congregation really blew me away. There were those for whom the word congregation felt foreign, not describing their experience here, and community felt connecting, that it spoke deeply. And those are legitimate and true feelings, right? And then there were folks that said, no, community doesn't do it at all. Congregation is the best way to describe this place. It's the only word that really speaks to what Wes means to me. That's a legitimate and true feeling, right? I think in the end, our statement of purpose had both words incorporated into it one way or the other. But you begin to see the challenge. How do we agree on the perfect word for this place? The just perfect word. In a community as diverse as West, with people from many backgrounds, many preferences, there are plenty of ways for us to be imperfect together. And that is in addition to the big sad things that happen in a community, to conflicts and loss. We have had and continue to have to navigate those as well. We always will, because that's part of being in community together too. I think there's an important key there. Acknowledging, knowing that we'll always have to navigate these imperfections. It's what the brochure was trying to get at, you know, this brochure that that warned new members about what they were coming into. That, That imperfections, differences of opinion, conflicts and challenge, they're not aberrations any more than a person's imperfections are aberrations any more than than we're usually perfect all the time, and then occasionally an imperfection just kind of slips in. No person is perfect, as we have ample opportunity to learn and remember on a daily basis, at least I do, and no community is either. And so some of what we're called to do in a community, I think, is to forgive it, (laughs) to forgive Wes for not being perfect, And ultimately to appreciate those imperfections the same way we might appreciate them in a person we love. Now a note on forgiveness. 
it's hard to do. There, I'm done. There's so much written on the practice of forgiveness by people far wiser than I. The challenge of asking for forgiveness, the importance of doing so. Many religious communities focus on that piece, what it means to acknowledge fault and ask for forgiveness. But I think there's an important element, too, around our ability, our choice to forgive. That comes into play, especially when we think about a whole community, what it means to be disappointed by the imperfections in our community, by each other within our community, and yet want to stay connected. Forgiveness for me isn't about saying everything is okay now. You know that old adage, forgive and forget? Is that even a thing? Do people do that? To be able to forgive and then completely forget as well? I don't think so. Laura is shaking her head no, and she's a therapist, so she would know. (laughs) I think actually, in some ways, forgiveness is about really noticing the fullness of a situation. Noticing the imperfection there as deeply as you can, holding it and honoring it. It's about seeing even more than imperfection. It's about seeing brokenness and whether or not that brokenness can be repaired, choosing to change your interaction with it. About letting go, perhaps, of the hold the thing has on you. About acknowledging the reality of what was and deciding you don't want that reality to dictate your experience now. A friend and colleague of mine, Megan Foley, has written and spoken widely about forgiveness. Megan's father was in the Foreign Service, and while he was serving in Jordan, he was assassinated. She has thought a lot about her connection to her father's killers, what that means, about when forgiveness is called for and when it's not. And she has something that I love, I love the way she puts it, there are some relationships, she wrote, that call for a deeper level of forgiving, a deeper commitment to letting the relationship take precedence over any offense. It's a beautiful way to put it. And then I think about the times when, when the relationship can't be fixed, There's been an article by President Jimmy Carter that's been making the rounds recently, but it's actually from 2009. I I looked it up because I thought it had happened a little while ago. Jimmy Carter, as many of you know, is a man of great faith. His faith has been very important to him over his lifetime. And in 2009, he wrote this beautiful essay talking about what he called losing my religion when he broke with the Southern Baptist Convention, his home church, his home Religion because of their stance against marriage equality. So I've been thinking about that too. But here's a flip side maybe to this talk about forgiveness. I think especially in a community, one of the things we want to do is not think we have to forgive every single imperfection as though imperfection is something wrong with us. Part of what we're exploring this month, right, is the acknowledgement, the noticing that imperfection simply is in the world, in ourselves, in our community, in the great big world out there. Just as we talked about last week, the acknowledgement that each of us leads an imperfect life. It's arc following a different curve than we expected. It's important to be able to acknowledge and even appreciate it in a community as well.
One reason why I love serving this community, one reason why I'm here, is because it's a community that doesn't always agree on what is perfect. There was a marketing team a few years ago that came up with some different postcards to describe West that they intended to give out to folks. And they were some cute taglines. There was um, Washington Ethical Society, um, uh, how did it go? Yes, all of the baby, none of the bathwater. To <laughs> <laughs> throw the baby out with the bathwater? Anyway. <clears throat> there was one very beautiful with a tree that said something like, many roots, one tree, that was lovely. One of the perhaps less understandable but also more accurate was simple. It had a picture of a sheep, and it said, no sheep here. (laughs) Just wait, no sheep, the flock, no? Okay, so we didn't end up using that postcard. But but the idea behind it was great, right? The idea was that in a traditional religious community, perhaps as we imagine it, we are a flock of sheep who follow the shepherd, I don't know, docilely. I will say I have a lot of colleagues that serve traditional religious communities, and I'm not sure that there are sheep anywhere. (laughs) But certainly in a community like ours, in a tradition that values the free voice as much as ethical culture does, We have no sheep. We have perhaps cats. Herding cats is often a metaphor that's used. Sometimes I like to say herding sheepdogs. Everyone thinks they're the herder, right? (laughs) It is the joy and also the challenge of leading a community that honors different opinions and which has plenty of them. So, do we just throw our hands in the air and say, oh, well, we'll never all be happy. We'll study that brochure, you know, that says, that says so. And it's a sort of existentialist approach, I guess. Oh, well, you know, life, c'est la vie. But another key part of existentialism is that we create meaning together, that we are responsible for the meaning that we find in the world and responsible for the kind of community that we create. I have a favorite quote that's attributed to Voltaire. I don't know if it really was him, but I tell it to myself all the time. Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Do you know that quote? And it says to me that even though we can't ever reach perfection, either individually or as a community, still we have a responsibility to try to be better personally and as a community as well. That's actually part of what enables forgiveness, I think. My younger daughter has a song she learned. She goes to a Jewish preschool, and she has a song she learned there for um, Yom Kippur, which she always remembers the beginning of. It's very sweet. It goes, um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm really, really sorry. And then every time she goes, is that it, Mommy? Is there more of that song? There is. The very end is... I'll try not to do it again. (laughs) I try to really drive that home with my (laughs) three-year-old. That's part of the song, too. (laughs) So that trying not to do it again, how we get better, if not perfect, as a community, it's something we've been talking about a lot in different places in the community over months and months. 
And so today, actually, how many of you remember the committee called um, the CCLS? Anyone remember that? Okay, how many people? <laughs> it's like, there's, so there's like 10 people raising their hands. Um, anyone know what it stands for? Like two people, right? Three people, maybe, <laughs> who have been on it. Cheater. <laughs> so the Committee on Community and Leadership Support, I think. <clears throat> yeah. You think that's right? Um, has been talking for many months and has been reformed recently with some new folks on that committee, on that team, and talking about how we as a community continue to do that getting better. Not perfect, but better. And especially... How do we hear about the imperfections as they occur? How do we give people space to be able to voice them? Because here is the way that some communities take care of voicing imperfections or, or voicing complaints, let's say, right? Because everybody has complaints sometimes. I, uh, can I pick on you, Dana? Dana likes feedback. So, so Dana, let's say, um, ran a uh, adult ed class, and I took that class. And, um, you know, I liked some of it, but some of it was uh, really, I didn't think it was good at all. Um, and so probably the best thing for me to do would be um, to tell Lee about it, right? <laughs> Lee, Dana's class was uh, terrible. I don't, don't say it too loudly because she might hear. Um, <laughs> The challenge with that, um, although perhaps Lee enjoyed the conversation, I don't know. The challenge with that is that it doesn't really enable Dana to make that class much better, does it? Dana, did you feel, no, not able to make the class much better? Yeah, yeah. So, so that's such a common way for congregations to approach feedback <laughs> that there are actually like whole books written about it. <laughs> And, um, and then there are models that offer a different alternative. So, so the CCLS, which, by the way, is also in the um, process of trying to do a name change so that they're a little bit more uh, recognizable. But for now, the CCLS um, is using a process that was started at a congregation in Texas. Um, and, and we read about that process under a blog titled, How to Complain at Church. <laughs> Isn't that great? How to complain at church. The thing I loved about it is I think often in a community like ours, we think we better not complain, you know? We don't want to hurt Dana's feelings because she worked hard at that adult ed class. And so that's why it's really better for me to just tell Lee about it because I won't hurt Dana's feelings and Lee will know, which probably is important. And then, you know, Lee could tell Art and that might be good too. And Art might tell Sonia and that would help also probably. And uh, maybe Dana would hear about it at some point. You never know. Um, so... Yeah, do you think she would hear about it at some point? Or, yeah, probably. But it would take longer, right? And so, so here's what we're doing instead. Here's how to complain at Wes. The, the CCLS is creating what they're calling actually a feedback center. They wanted to make sure that you knew you didn't only have to complain to them. You could also tell them something that was really super awesome, and that would be great, too. But the feedback center is going to be set up at the welcome table after platform, and it'll be staffed by folks from the CCLS. That's Bob Picorni, Barbara Blaylock, Dill Boland, and Chris Chafe. Not all of them at once, because that would maybe be a little bit intimidating, actually. And they'll have notebooks, and you can just come up and, and give them feedback. 
you can say, I liked this, or that really didn't work for me, or that song kind of bothered me, or it, it spoke to me in a really deep way, or I really dislike the paint color, or I wish we had three-ply toilet paper instead of one-ply toilet paper. <laughs> I, you can tell them, I think, whatever you'd like to tell them. Now, they'll write down and maybe talk with you a little bit about it and try to understand better, and they'll put your name with it, because one of the ways that we complain in a community like ours is we have our names attached to it. We don't, you know, slip like weird notes. Dana, someone didn't like your class. So, but I can't tell you who. Um, and then they'll get that information to the person who might be able to do something about it. And sometimes, this is an important caveat, sometimes that person will take your feedback and say, I completely agree with you. Three-ply would be way better. And then lo and behold, we'll have three-ply toilet paper in the bathrooms. Sometimes, too, That person will get your feedback and will say, I really hear an honor that you would like to have. I don't know why I'm talking about toilet paper. I'd like to say that was not my my script for today. (laughs) Let's come up with something else. Uh, Let's see. Um, uh, Sugar. Oh, stevia. Stevia. Let's talk about about sweeteners in your coffee. Someone actually came to me about this recently. Okay, yes. So... So, um, so someone will say, I really wish that there were stevia, right? And maybe you can have stevia, and that's great, and we can set it up, and we're so glad we know that you really wanted stevia, and it was like a deep longing that you hadn't voiced, or maybe you'd only told Lee about it. <laughs> Who doesn't stock the sweeteners? <laughs> but maybe, also, we'll get that information about the stevia, and we'll say, well, we can't get stevia because it costs $1 million a pound, and we can't afford it. (laughs) But we can say that we heard you about the stevia, and we hear that it's important to you, and we're sorry it won't be perfect for you this time. You could bring it from home, says Karen. (laughs) You could bring your stevia from home, we might say. Let's think about a solution together. But, But it is, it's a caveat, I think, to remember that that feedback center doesn't mean still that we'll have a community where everything's perfect for everyone all the time. Because that would be a community of one. (laughs) Not even, because I disagree with myself a lot. (laughs) That, 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 That imperfection, that difference of opinion on things big and important, and on things small, maybe, like I was going to say, like stevia, but that might be really important to someone. That's part of what it means to be in community together. There is no perfect word to describe Wes, no word that's perfect for each of us, I mean. And frankly, I think that in a community like ours, there probably shouldn't be. There are only words which are perfect to some and imperfect to others. And part of what we are asked to do is to listen to each other as we say them. To notice those imperfections in our own mind that might be perfect for someone else. Our ability to be in community together, to disagree on everything from paint color to the language we use to notice the way that this place, our place, is imperfect. That is a huge gift. To learn how to stay and be together through those challenges, to find a way for our voices to be heard and understood, 
to know that sometimes our desires will be fulfilled and sometimes they won't, and that each of us experiences those desires differently, each of us pulled in slightly different directions, but somehow making a web out of that pulling. That is a thing not of perfection, but of perfect imperfection. I want to close this platform somewhat unusually with a poem because I love it so much. Honestly, I'm not even sure it goes with the platform. (laughs) But I love it. And it does go with the music that follows the platform. And I couldn't resist that little bit of perfection this morning. This is a poem by Nancy Schaefer. Because we spill not only milk, knocking it over with an elbow when we reach to wipe a small face, but also spill seed on soil we thought was fertile but isn't, and also spill whole lives and only later see in fading light how much is gone and we hadn't intended it. Because we tear not only cloth, thinking to find a true edge and instead making only a hole, but also tear friendships when we grow, and whole mountainsides because we are so many and we want to live right where black oaks lived, once very quietly and still. Because we forget not only what we were doing in the kitchen and have to go back to the room we were in before, remember why it was left, but also forget entire lexicons of joy, and how we lost ourselves for hours, yet all that time were clearly found and held, and also forget the hungry not at our table. Because we weep not only at jade plants caught in freeze and precious papers left in rain, but also at legs that no longer walk or never did, although from the outside they look like most others, and also weep at words said once as though they might be arranged, but which once loose refuse to return and we are helpless. Because we are imperfect and love so deeply, we will never have enough days. We need the gift of starting over, beginning again. Just this constant good this saving 